You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome to WO Voices. We're here today with Lisa Hornick, OD of Rockland, California. Dr. Hornick at the uh, Optometry Divas meeting in June in Orlando was presented with the Thought Leader Award. And so we're here today with uh, Dr. Hornick and with Optometry Divas founder and CEO, Dr. Loretta Justin. Welcome, both of you. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's a to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad. Excited to be here. Always with you, Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, dry eye is your, is your passion, correct? Um, Dr. Hornick, and and I'm sure that was a factor in getting the Thought Leader Award. Uh, tell tell us a little about that. Was that a, a surprise to you? That was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I was very excited about it for sure. Um, and dry eyes is definitely my passion, absolutely. Uh, and I mainly attribute that to the fact that I myself am a dry eye sufferer. So I always tell my patients that I can feel their pain, literally. And I really have suffered from dry eye disease since about, I would say, in my, in my 20s, you know, probably actually in optometry school is where I realized that dry eye was a thing. Um, but I just did the typical, you know, artificial tears and uh, never really got better. I was a contact lens wearer as well. And when I was in 2014, I was actually stationed in, well, sorry, my husband was stationed in Kodiak, Alaska. So that's where we were living at the time. And the doctor's office that I was at there recently purchased a Lipiflow and a Lipiscan. And he was not really interested in dry eye. He didn't really have the time for it. So he knew that I was very interested. And he said, hey, why don't you set up our specialty dry eye clinic? And I was really excited about that. So once I saw my own um, my bovine gland atrophy and how bad it was, and when I saw my own tear film and how it evaporated so quickly, that was really interesting to me to finally have a reason and a root cause as to why my personal dry eyes was so bad. And ever since then, I've just been really laser focused on you know, just learning every single thing I can about dry eye disease so I can better help my patients. And Dr. Justin, um, seeing uh, uh, women in the Optometry Divas group who who have such a passion for a subject, that <clears throat> must be interesting to you to, to be able to, to share that within within and among the group members. It's so important to to do that, specifically about dry eyes or different type of specialties in general, because we have such a big need in um, our patient population. And one of the values that we have is our dedication to our patient care, to our industry, and being able to become laser focused, as Lisa said, in one particular area that can help patients make a difference in terms of the quality of care that we can develop, that we can deliver, and also elevate us as a provider to differentiate us as a provider, which kind of fulfill the mission that we have in Optometry Divas. So yeah, I, I love that about her. Yeah, that's great. So you you explored this in in Alaska and then brought it to California with you. 
I did. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was, again, very fortunate. The practice that I started with, and it was in Roseville, California, right outside Sacramento. The doctor there just happened to be also starting a specialty clinic. And so he wanted me to, he knew of my experience in Alaska, and he wanted me to build it up in his practice in California. And I just grew and grew from there. And I really loved it. Same thing. We got a, a flow. Um, then I started at a second practice in the Sacramento area, where I am currently, Stanford Ranch Optometry where we purchased an IPL. And from there, we've just skyrocketed and it's just been so much fun. And it's really been a game changer for our patients. So this is a lot of technology mm-hmm. and that requires a, a commitment on the part of the of the OD owner, of course. Is dry eye an, an all or nothing sort of proposition? I mean, do you have to go all in with the technology? Absolutely not. No. And that's the beauty of dry eye is there are so many things that we can do in the beginning that, you know, um, don't require those big financial purchases. So in the very beginning, I just really look at the patient as a whole. So in other words, I ask them a lot of questions, a very um, thorough case history. And I want to know what medications are they on? What treatments have they done in the past? What is their lifestyle? So we know that lifestyle contributes a huge amount to dry eye disease. Are they getting enough sleep? Are they drinking enough water? How is their diet? Uh, Recently, there's been studies that show even exercise and stress can, of course, affect dry eye disease. So I asked them a really thorough case history and see if there's little things that we can tweak in their lifestyle that will make a big difference for them. And then after that, as a practitioner, we just really need to get a really good look at the, you know, the front surface of the eye. So sometimes with our slit lamp exam, we kind of zoom through and go straight to the cornea and we forget to even look at the lids, lashes, and meibomian glands. And that's really huge because that's going to tell you what the root cause of their dry eye disease probably is. So we know that dry disease is multifactorial, right? There are so many contributing factors. But what I've personally found in my practice is there's usually one or two really main contributors. And if we can figure out what those two main problems are first and get at the at that, then we can, you know, really make a difference and then start adding on the other contributing factors. Um, but yeah, all you really need, just a, the things we already have in our office, a, a really a soot lamp, you know, your fluorescein staining, your lysamine green staining. And that is a huge, um, huge help. And right now we have so many therapies. We're really um, so much more advanced than we were, you know, when I graduated 20 years ago, all we had was artificial tears and warm compresses and maybe baby shampoo. And now there's so many things that we can do and so many even commercial products out there. We have at least three prescription medications, not to mention all the steroids. So there's so much more at our fingertips that we can use to help our patients. So you don't really need those expensive pieces of equipment. Those are really nice to have. And when you have your more advanced, more severe dry eye patients, I do think those are, like I said, really game changers, but you don't have to have that to get started. And that's the beauty of dry eye disease. And, and, uh, kind of, um, it's not exactly dipping your toes in the water because you're, you're helping people significantly in, in these early stages. But as you decide that the, the uh, patient demographic supports a, a more advanced dry eye practice, or um, it, it, at what point does that calculus sort of change? You know, where do, where do you decide, yeah, this is something that is um, what our practice can, can do or, or should be doing? Yeah. 
I think like Loretta said, if you want a specialty where you're really differentiated from others, if you're willing to take that on where you want to be, you know, the expert in your area and you want to be a referral center for your area, that's something early on that we decided we really wanted to do. So we decided we did want to take the next step. And we got a, the mybiographer is really great because then you can really see, is mybomian gland dysfunction the primary cause and the primary root cause of your dry disease? And you can really show that to the patient. And then they are so appreciative of looking at, finally, they have a reason for their dry disease, whereas before they just couldn't figure it out. And now we show them our membomian glands and it's it's really eye-opening for them. They also um, love anterior segment photography. So that is a huge patient education tool as well. And we use it for, of course, documentation that look how much better you got from, say, your first treatment of IPL versus your last fourth treatment of IPL. So... Um, after that, I would say, you know, really think about what other big purchases you want as far as do you want to do you have a high patient population with, say, ocular rosacea, then I would recommend looking into IPL, that type of thing. So, yeah. So in my practice, we are not um, we don't have as much technology as what Lisa's talking about. We don't have an IPL, but we discovered the number of complaints that we get. So we started tracking the chief complaints, why patients were coming into the office in a way to determine what would be a good specialty for us to have. Because what we wanted to do was um, myopia control. We wanted to have myopia management become our dominant specialty. But as we started tracking patient complaints, the dry eye complaints just kept coming over and over. My eyes are dry, my eyes are itchy, my eyes, my contact lenses. So in order for us to deliver the solutions that our patients are coming for, we realized we needed to become, um, develop our expertise in dry eyes a lot more. We needed to have more knowledge, more understanding about it. So if you're thinking about, well, what do I do in terms of the specialty? You can look at it two ways. You can look at it personally of what is of interest to you, what you would like to do, what directions you would like to take your practice, or you could look at it from the patient's perspective. How many patients are coming in and what symptoms are they having and um, can you deliver that symptom? So that's, that's what drove us to start thinking about implementing dry eye into our practice here in Orlando. So that's a pretty low tech way of kind of determining which which way your your um uh practice services might might expand how did you how did you do that did you did you tally it up did you um dive into your emr i mean how did you kind of decide to do that and 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 follow through to to get that data so the first thing we did is decide what what kind where do we want to take the practice this year or next year, rather. And we were interested in doing myopia control, becoming more centered in doing that. Then we had to start tracking where is the need for that service that we want to bring. A lot of times in practice, uh, we invest in a particular technology, but we haven't identified the need as to who's going to benefit from that technology. So we started tracking how many children do we have, how many uh, have myopia. And it's very easy with your practice management to calculate that if you code your diagnosis. So at the end of the exam, we would put all of our diagnosis and code it into the exam. And we would do, we have OfficeMate 
So what we do is call a fee slip or a super bill, wherever all the charges go, all the codes go there. So every month I would run a report of the codes that were invoiced for diagnosis and we would see what is the number one diagnosis that kept coming up. And for us, it was dry eyes more than myopia. I should say our average patient age in my office is 48 years old. So that's the reason why dry eye was really coming up as opposed to myopia. And it's a she that's 48 years old as well. So as we reviewed that data, we realized as much as we want to offer myopia control, it's a good type of secondary focus, but a primary focus should really be dry eyes because that's the number one complaint we got from our patients. So start um, billing your codes and then running reports every month to see what is your number one diagnosis. So having been a, a dry eye sufferer, you know, you, that's, that's sort of uh, intuitive to you. But what's, what's your guidance to, to um, optometrists who, you know, m- maybe yeah. haven't experienced it, um, don't, don't kind of recognize the, the quality of life issues that are involved in dry eye? What, what do you say to them? Yeah, I would say to them to really take the time to, you know, ask more questions of their patients. And yeah, a lot of people complain about the dry eye, but say to them, how much does it really bother you? How is this affecting your life? And I've had patients who, you know, when you ask and really dig with those questions that they have trouble driving, they've actually stopped driving at night because their eyes are so irritated and dry, or it wakes them up in the middle of the night and they can't sleep or they can't even do their job. So we're always, so many of us are on computers all day long right now for our job. And then we come home and we're on our devices still, right? And um, so it's really, really, really affects them. And if you don't ask those questions, you might not realize how much it really means to them. And if you can't help your patients, you know, they're going to go somewhere else. So I've had um, patients come to me, I'm their fourth or fifth doctor that they've seen because no one has really addressed the issue with them or, or taking them seriously. So, um, and sometimes, you know, we don't always have the time during our full comprehensive eye exam to ask those questions because we're rushing, we're talking about glasses and we're fitting multifocal contact lenses, right? So um, I sometimes say, you know, I'm seeing these symptoms of dry eye. I'm, I'm hearing from you that you have symptoms of dry eye and I really want to explore this further. So come back, let's do a full dry eye workup or a full dry eye consult. And that way we can really take the time. And I will actually sometimes schedule those uh, for 30 minutes or even an hour. So if it's a patient who I think would be a really great, say, uh, intense full sight um, treatment patient, I'll even treat them, uh, schedule them for an entire hour so I can really understand what their goals are and so I can really um, educate them and offer you know, solutions to their problems. Do either of you or both of you use the speed surveys or, or other kind of quick assessments at the start with almost every patient or with, with every patient? So we do use the speed questionnaire uh, because it's quick and it's easy. We actually have our front desk receptionist ask every single patient when they come in, are they having any dry eye symptoms or complaints? And then they have them fill out the speed questionnaire. So we don't do it on every single patient, but on the ones that say they have symptoms, we do. And then of course, during our full comprehensive exam, I always stay in the patient and I look for signs of dry eye. And then I'll kind of ask more questions at that point if I'm seeing 
a lot of times patients too will think it's allergies. And especially where we live in Sacramento, we have quite a few trees and lots of problems with allergies. So um, sometimes I'll explain to them that, yes, you might have some allergy component, but a lot of what you're feeling is actually dry eye. So that's, that's an interesting point. People self-diagnose um, dry eye mm-hmm. or allergies or things like that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, our biggest, um, you know, kind of misconception is the watering. So we always have patients come in, hey, my eyes, they just water all the time. And when you really take the time to explain to them, that's a, that's actually dry eye disease. It's, they're shocked, you know, they, they didn't never ex- expected that. So it's a lot of time with education, for sure. Uh, we, you know, I love to educate my patients, but sometimes we don't always have the time that we really would like. So if you also have sort of a, a go-to, maybe like a, a main tech or someone that you can say, hey, I'm seeing these signs. These are the treatments I want. We actually have a checkoff list in the office where I check off the things that I want them to do with a little explanation of how to do it. Um, and so sometimes if I might not have the time to explain to them what exactly IPL is or how I want them to do their warm compresses or how I want them to do their lid hygiene, then I have it written out for them. And then I'll actually hand it to a tech as well. And they can again go over it and ask any questions of exactly how to do this, how to incorporate it into a routine. Um, I do find that patients get a little overwhelmed sometimes with all the different things, all the treatment plans that we ask them to do. So I try to make it as streamlined and easy for them as possible. How much do you find that patients in in your practice tend to misunderstand um, dry eye, misdiagnose dry eye, or, or, or self-diagnose that? Patients, uh, the word dry is where they kind of get stuck on. And that means something specifically to them. Like if you have dry skin, you apply moisturizer. So then your skin become more moist, especially when they say my eyes are watery. And then we say dry eyes. That seems counterintuitive for them. And they don't seem to understand it. And another thing I think patient has a hard time understanding the maintenance that's required for dry eyes. They want to just get something that gives them a quick fix. I have a dry eyes. I want you to give me a medication. I feel better. I'm done. I don't want to have to maintain. So this is a new or rather something that we have to spend time to educate the patient to help them understand just like you brush your teeth twice a day and floss every day, twice a day. You take a shower. This becomes part of your life now so we can maintain the quality of your eyes. And once you understand what's causing the dry eyes, you could probably go a little bit deeper. In our practice, we talk about inflammation, inflammation in the body. Then this goes into some nutrition conversation as to what are you eating or what supplements are you taking? But it is the patients don't really understand how Mm -hmm. wide uh, this disease is and how much it affects and how much they have to do to actually maintain it. So the continuity is what's challenging them. They think I should just have a drop and be healed. And that's a challenge for us. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. I always tell my patients that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And that, you know, you've had this condition for a really long time. And now that you're having symptoms and I'm seeing signs, it means it's probably been there for a lot longer than we realize. 
I also explained to them that there really is no cure for dry disease, but it's something that we manage. It is absolutely manageable. And we try to get them to do the least therapy possible, but there are, you know, they're going to have their homework, definitely. And it's chronic and it is progressive. I sometimes it really makes sense to patients if I explain that it's kind of like diabetes or high blood pressure. So in other words, you have this condition. Um, it's absolutely manageable, but it's going to take a lot of work on your part. And, and like Loretta said, it's going to take daily work to get this under control and to stay over under control because it is chronic. It is progressive. It will get worse if we don't do anything about it. Those are those are good analogies. So at the uh, Optometry Divas meeting, uh, Dr. Hornick, did you get questions from, from the other divas? I know you have this chance to you know, spend wonderful time together and, and socialize and network and, and really share these professional tips. You know, are, um, is, is there a level of curiosity among your, your colleagues about dry eye? Absolutely. I always get questions. And I've been very fortunate to be um, a key opinion leader with Luminous as well. And so a lot of at the conventions and meetings, I get to work at the booth. And I found um, education, other colleagues and doctors is so much fun. I love it. I love to see their curiosity. I love to um, just show them, you know, what's worked in our practice and really help elevate the entire profession as a whole. And that's what I love about Optometry Divas as well, is we're there to elevate each other, connect and promote. It's great. Uh, Dr. Justin, I know you've done so much to to bring women together and em- empower empower them um, to, to support each other. And uh, this, is, this is just great. Tell us quickly about some of the other um, awards that were given at the Optometry Divas meeting. Yes, so we gave in total four awards. We have the Thought Leader of the Year Award. And the Thought Leader of the Year is basically given to someone who has demonstrated and supported the mission and the values of Optometry Divas, the empower, connect, and promote of other women, and also being dedicated to the profession, having integrity, having a vibrant personality, to be assertive and self-aware. These are our values that we have. And then how they do that with optometry divas, with other women and throughout the industry. So that's really the criteria for the thought leader of the year. And then we have our ambassador of the year. So that is one of the leaders that we have in our different local groups that has also demonstrated these same values that I mentioned earlier. And then we have the elite diva of the year. So that's a local member who have also invested their time of supporting each other, supporting other members and supporting the organization and supporting the industry. And then we also give a scholarship as well and the year. So these were the four um, awards that we gave and it was really, really exciting. And I was so proud of everybody because everybody who got it deserved it. And uh, everyone who just heard that understands certainly also why you were um, awarded the, the Thea Award last year. Uh, Dr. Justin, you just do so much for women in the profession. Um, I want to thank both of you for having joined us and uh, appreciate your time so much. Thank you. I hope to see you in San Diego. Thank you. Me too. I hope to be there. Excellent. So that's the goal right now. Excellent. That's <laughs> wonderful. We hope uh, we see you all there in uh, the 
uh, Tuesday before uh, Academy starts. Yes. You know, I just wanted to take the time to say thank you as well for all that you do for women in optometry every day, all of the content that is produced, but just the support overall. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's, it is truly a pleasure. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WL Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.